This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. President Volodymyr Zelensky said that victory, quote, inevitably awaits Ukraine as long as its allies fulfil their commitments. Speaking at a news conference marking the anniversary of Russia's invasion, Mr Zelensky welcomed China's efforts in pushing for a ceasefire after it released a platitudinous 12-point peace plan earlier on Friday. Meanwhile, Andrzej Duda, Poland's president, announced that four German-made leopard tanks had arrived in Ukraine. Consumer spending and inflation in America picked up in January, according to data released on Friday. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation measure, rose by 0.6% month over month, three times the pace in December. Meanwhile, personal spending jumped by 1.8% after declining in November and December. Stock markets dipped at the prospect of steeper interest rate rises. Germany's economy shrank by 0.4% in the last three months of 2022, a larger-than-expected drop caused by falling consumption and reduced capital investment. Germany had avoided any contraction in GDP in the first three quarters of 2022, despite skyrocketing energy prices due to the war in Ukraine. Analysts predict Europe's largest economy will shrink again this quarter, meaning the country would enter a recession. Janet Yellen, America's Treasury Secretary, accused Russian officials of being, quote, complicit in their country's invasion of Ukraine at a tense meeting of G20 finance ministers in India. Prime Minister Narendra Modi, the host, urged attendees to focus on the world's, quote, most vulnerable citizens. But the French delegation said it would only agree to sign a communique that denounced Russian aggression. A Nigerian opposition lawmaker was arrested for alleged money laundering while carrying nearly $500,000 in cash a day before the country's presidential election amid concerns about vote buying. Chinyera Igwe also had in his possession a list of intended recipients of the money. Moving more than $10,000 undeclared is illegal in Nigeria. A dozen Democratic-led states sued America's Food and Drug Administration, seeking to end a requirement that healthcare professionals and pharmacies be specially certified to prescribe mifepristone, an abortion medication. The lawsuit is a rebuttal of sorts to another from an anti-abortion group in Texas that wants to ban the drug. The states asked a federal judge to stop the FDA from, quote, removing mifepristone from the market. The V&A, a British museum, acquired the vast archives of David Bowie, including letters, lyrics and iconic costumes. Fans of the genre and gender-bending star will be able to view the collection in a new venue in London, From 2025, Bowie died in 2016 after a career spanning Baroque pop to avant-garde jazz. And word of the week, Sokoku, Japanese for, quote, closed country. 
used to describe the Tokugawa period when Japan supposedly cut itself off from the world. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Nigeria elects a new president. Polls open in Nigeria on Saturday in what may well be the country's most competitive presidential contest since it became a democracy in 1999. Elections have brought little respite from corruption and violence, but this matchup offers hope of change in Peter Obi, a third-party candidate. A former businessman, he has liberal economic instincts and has urged people not to vote along ethnic or religious lines, but to favor competence. His rivals are old-school politicians. Bolo Tanubu of the ruling All Progressives Congress is weighed down by the current government's failures, most recently a chaotic central bank policy that left thousands of Nigerians without access to cash. Atiko Ababakar of the People's Democratic Party, the main opposition, is on his sixth run. Young, newly registered voters have given Mr. Obi the edge, but he lacks the party infrastructure of his competitors. Electoral officials are trusting in new tech to prevent rigging. With Nigeria's future at stake, that matters more than ever. Climate Skepticism in America Fifteen years ago, speakers at a conference hosted by the Heartland Institute rejected the scientific consensus on man-made global warming. At this year's meeting, which began on Friday in Florida, the attacks will be subtler. The prominent climate-skeptical think tank changed tack in 2018, announcing it will focus less on the validity of climate science and more on the cost of green policies. Heartland claimed the switch came about because its message had triumphed, but the opposite is true. Three-quarters of Americans now believe that man-made climate change is underway. Even policy-driven critiques are gaining less traction with Republicans. President Joe Biden's climate legislation, like the Inflation Reduction Act, did not tank Democrats' midterms results in November like an Obama-era cap-and-trade plan did in 2010. That is probably due to Americans' growing appreciation of the threat of climate change, but also to the bill itself, which emphasizes jobs, domestic production, and, because of forced compromise, room for fossil fuels alongside renewables. A Thousand Splendid Sons Roya Sadat was an opera novice when the Seattle Opera asked her to direct a new adaptation of A Thousand Splendid Sons, but the Afghan filmmaker had other experiences to draw upon. As a teenager under Taliban rule, she was deeply familiar with the themes of Khaled Hosseini's novel. The opera, which opens on Saturday, tells the story of Miriam and Layla, two Afghan women of different generations, forced to marry the same abusive man. The score is by Sheila Silver, who sought Mr. Hosseini's permission to adapt his book a decade ago. She studied Hindustani music, closely related to Afghan classical music, in northern India. In addition to Western instruments, the orchestra features Indian banzuri flute and tabla drums. Miss Sadat was en route to Seattle when the Taliban took power in August 2021. She hopes the opera, quote, is a cry so loud that you'll never forget the women of Afghanistan. Freud, the archaeologist. Patients visiting Sigmund Freud in Vienna were often surprised by his consulting room. Sergei Pankajev, a distressed Russian aristocrat, recalled that it, quote, in no way reminded one of a doctor's office, but rather of an archaeologist's study. 
Cabinets and shelves were crowded with thousands of ancient figures, ceramics, and more. Freud called them his, quote, grubby little gods. He took enormous care to move them all to London after being forced to flee Austria in 1938. On Saturday, the Freud Museum in London, his former home, opens an exhibition linking his famed psychoanalytic theories to his deep immersion in archaeology, displaying highlights from his collection. For Freud, the two disciplines were intertwined. As an analyst, he was constructing meaning out of deeply buried fragments. In the show, the Oedipus complex is illuminated by figures of the Sphinx, just as phallic amulets suggest an ancient past of primal desires and instincts. Weekend Profile Maya Sandu, the gutsy Moldovan president uncowed by Putin Ever since Russia invaded its neighbor, tiny Moldova has worried it might be next. Like Ukraine, it was once a Soviet republic and is partly Russian-speaking. Russian soldiers occupied Transnistria, a breakaway statelet along its eastern border with Ukraine. But if Vladimir Putin thinks Moldova will be intimidated, he has not reckoned with its president, Maya Sandu, a pocket-sized pro-European who has spent her career facing down powerful, corrupt opponents. The 50-year-old Miss Sandu was born in a small village where her father managed a pig farm. After university, she worked for the economics ministry, part of a generation of modernizing young technocrats, then joined the World Bank. Upon entering politics, she became education minister and won public acclaim for cleaning up a corrupt school exam system that had obliged pupils to pay bribes. In 2015, protests brought down the government after $1 billion was embezzled from the central bank in a Russian-linked money-laundering scheme. Ms. Sandu was nominated for the prime ministership, but turned it down when parties refused to fire crooked officials. She set up the Party of Action and Solidarity and ran for president, but was beaten by Igor Dodon, the pro-Russian leader of the Socialist Party. Ms. Sandu then waged quixotic electoral campaigns against the socialists and parties controlled by Moldova's oligarchs. While she and her volunteers operated out of a deteriorating 19th-century villa, oligarchs ran their parties out of office towers, where TV monitors carried the broadcasts of the propaganda stations they owned. Everything changed in 2019 when Mr. Dodon cut a deal, with Russian and American approval, to make Ms. Sandu prime minister. Political scheming soon brought down Ms. Sandu's government, but in 2020, she beat Mr. Dodon in the presidential race. She has since appointed two pro-EU anti-corruption prime ministers. Mr. Putin tried to cow her by cutting gas deliveries and sowing disinformation. On Thursday, Russia alleged that Ukraine was planning a false flag provocation in Transnistria to justify invading it. Ms. Sandu promptly rebutted that and reiterated her defiance of Russian pressure. There would be no, quote, puppet government enslaved to the interests of the Kremlin in Chisinau, Moldova's capital, she said. She seems to be getting what she wants. Last June, the EU granted Moldova candidate status. Quiz winners Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random were Martin Abramson, Ayer Britain, Maureen Evans, Vernon, Canada, Henry Roth, Petite Valley, Trinidad and Tobago. They all gave the correct answers of Mother Superior, Perry Como, Victoria Beckham, Nay Adams, the Huron, and Elliot Ness. The theme is lakes, Superior, Como, Victoria, Huron, and Loch Ness. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. 
finally, here's the quote of the day from Anthony Burgess, who was born on this day in 1917. Youth thinks itself wise just as drunk men think themselves sober. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.